Hey guys, this is Marissa Davis and Dr. Brandon Park. And this is Neurodiversity University. We're so happy to be here. <laughs> that sounds so great. <laughs> I'm actually really excited about today's topic. I think that this is going to be very educational for a lot of people. So I hope so. I hope maybe I can learn something. Well, you're supposed to be the expert here, so if that's going on, we got a problem. I thought you was going to teach me something. Um. <laughs> well, no. So today we are going to be talking about psychological testing and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, starting the conversation about this. This could kind of extend into a couple more podcasts just because of how much content there actually is. But yeah. um, I think in general, as far as like psychological testing and your history and expertise with it, I would really love to kind of you know dive into it a little bit and talk about kind of an overview of what it is and why it's important and why it will benefit families and stuff to have it and individuals and on a future episode you can give me dating advice so i can learn more oh boy <laughs> uh, maybe <laughs> uh, it's just gonna go too many wrong directions okay um so so you have some history here with testing is that true yes all right, why don't you tell me about that? Um, so I have been uh, doing testing uh, since I was in grad school. So starting in 2004, um, I you know, was doing testing under the supervision of my professors, um, general psychological testing, and then in 2000, late 2005, um, my main mentor was a forensic neuropsychologist and began doing testing in prisons and state hospitals and was introduced to testifying in court, um, mm. witnessing testifying, um, just kind of getting learning and education on um, how that works. And that's so much different than when you watch it in a class or when you learn about it in a class, actually seeing your mentor up on, on the stand doing it, being in a jail cell. Um, Doing testing is a unique experience, especially when um, one of the prisoners pulls his hands out from under the desk and his handcuffs hadn't been tight enough and he pulled his hands out and asked if he oh. should. <laughs> He's like, should I actually put these back on? <laughs> and my mentor had left to go get some other testing equipment. So just me and him looking across to each other. I was like, yeah, I should put those back on. Oh my goodness. It'd be really nice for me. Um... So that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, I started working. I did my internship at a developmental center. So really got to understand the depths of neurodiversity and how differently and uniquely brains can be formed and how that starts to play out in the lives of people. Um, one of the first patients that I ran into, um, she had a lot of just obvious deformations and looked kind of like a zombie and kind of moaned as she was walking towards me and it was kind of a little startling um she was a great lady she had tons of tenacity including stealing bolts out of sewer um lids (laughs) and all kinds of other cool things um yeah and that's how i kind of developed and learned and i oh yeah and then i became the full-time neuropsychologist at a large state hospital um so across 1200 patients um i was the one that would go see the most unique and difficult cases out of 1200 very unique and difficult patients Hmm. um so there's not too much that surprises me these days i was gonna say you've kind of seen it all it sounds like yeah 
Awesome. Well, all right. So I guess like, let's kind of dive into it. I mean, what really is the purpose and use of, you know, some psychological testing? Okay. One of the first things I think is really important to understand, and I I get this all the time, like, um, in fact, just the other day, there was a person who's a professional asking for an MRI. They're like, well, you know, this, this child has had, you know, we're pretty sure this child's had fetal substance exposure, so we can see this on an MRI, right? And that'll tell us all we need to know. I'm like, no, that's, that's a blurry picture. You know, if you went to a professional photographer and got the same quality that an fMRI is, you would demand your money back. And mm-hmm. you'd, put, you'd post all over social media how horrible this photographer <laughs> was. Um, there are some things we can do, and there are certain, time, certain ways we can kind of sometimes detect things like fetal alcohol. Um, but there's a lot of things like brain, you know, traumatic brain injuries, um, autism, um, and many, many other things that don't show up on an MRI. Across um, large swaths of people, when they do like, you know, 15, 15 typical people and 15 people with a specific diagnosis, they can see small nuances and differences, mm. but you still can't just look at one individual and have enough information to be clearly concise on what a diagnosis is and what that means. Now, there's some new things that they're doing with um, looking at the brain waves within a person and getting some sophistication on that, and I think that's a really interesting thing, but it still doesn't always give you the nuances of how that plays out functionally. So in other words, looking at someone's beta waves and alpha waves and, and delta waves and, and theta waves and how those things are moving and, and, and functioning, there's there's some new things where people are kind of looking at that to try and understand diagnostics. But in the end, it's still kind of a general perception of what someone might be struggling with and doesn't tell you how it's going to play out in real life situations. And so the whole purpose of testing is to give them you know, different materials and then ask them to complete a task and watch how they complete that task. And then knowing how from their completion of that task, what that means about their ability to not only function on that test, but how that will likely predict how they're going to play out, how it's going to play out in in daily life, in life. academics, mm-hmm. in, in so many other ways. And so if you really want to understand what someone's going to functionally do and how that's going to play out, you, you need to have good testing. And, and another sophistication is when you've got a really good tester, they can, they can actually um, provide a lot more contextualization to that. Um, in other words, understanding how that's going to affect them emotionally and then understanding the psychological dynamics of like a family system and things like that. And then starting to say, okay, so here's what we're seeing on testing. Here's what we know about the environment, mm-hmm. and here's what we might expect. Bridging the gap between the mm-hmm. two and helping. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. So, so when we say psychological testing, though, it's that's kind of a broad term because there's yes. kind of a lot of things that go into the testing. Like, what kinds of testing do you actually do to complete a psychological testing eval? It's a long answer, but <laughs> we're, we're, so we're going to have subsequent topics. We'll kind of break this down more, but. When you, when a lot of times as parents you're told about or um, uh, any kind of consultant clinician is, is your, or professional that's working with with um, young adults or adolescents, when you're told that someone's got a comprehensive psychological evaluation, that typically means you're going to test their cognitive abilities, which a lot of times is like an IQ test, 
um, okay. and some other measures of where people will fill out things about executive functioning, you know, um, forms and, and, and whatnot. It's normally going to include academic testing and it's normally going to include some form of emotional personality type testing. Sometimes that's also called psychological testing, but it's kind of confusing because sometimes psychological includes the cognitive, the academic, and the emotional personality. But sometimes people will say psychological, meaning the emotional and the personality. So neuropsych is also a, a part of that, right? Yeah. So I'm a neuropsychologist, and that means that I really, really study the underlying bedrock of how the brain is put together and wired. It's like it's like being the mechanic of the brain. I want to understand how all the, the mechanisms fit together, how that plays out, you know, if the starter motor is off a little bit, what that's going to mean in someone's real life. And so I'll go into far more depth on understanding all the nuances of the different subtests that you'll use on an IQ test. I'll do actual executive functioning tests. Sometimes people will say they're, they're testing executive functioning, but what they're really giving is a questionnaire that parents will fill out, and sometimes a student will fill out, and sometimes teachers will fill out. Mm-hmm. That kind of is an overview of what they're seeing. But I'll actually test them functionally where I'm giving them actual tasks to do to test out how well their executive functioning is, is doing. Because sometimes, for example, and just you know, executive functioning is a really confusing term. At some point, I'm hoping we get rid of it because um, it includes way too many things. Executive functioning has to do with the organization sorting and filtering of information as well as some reasoning and decision making. So it's kind of like an executive secretary. If you're running a great big business, and you've got a really good executive secretary, maybe even some subsecretaries that work underneath that executive secretary. That executive secretary helps you to organize all the information that's coming in, help you organize all the information going out. It helps you with some of the simple basic decision making. It, it organizes all of your staff so everything everything's working right. Make sure you've got enough capacity and desk space for everything that you need to do. And so a really good executive secretary for uh, a CEO of a large firm is is crucial, and so your executive your executive functioning is literally that it's the executive secretary of your brain. Some of us have good executive secretaries, some of us don't. Mine has a few flaws. <laughs> Sadly, I can't fire her or him, as the case would be. But you know, she, she, he does the best he can. Um, and then I got off track. What well, was I so I was going to say, so we've talked about actually doing a whole podcast on executive functioning and kind of going into that in yeah, depth. So and so, yeah, yeah, but one of the things I think is actually important that you kind of mentioned right before that was that you're, as you're doing this testing, especially like the neuropsychological part, you're also reaching out to people that are in this person's world too. So you've mm-hmm. got parents, you've got the actual person, mm-hmm. like you have other therapist, resources, therapists, teachers. So it's not, it is coming from you and you're doing the testing and you're reviewing it and coming up with the final result, but you're also getting input from several other factors. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually really important to know. Yeah. So subjective information mm-hmm. and having them fill out questionnaires that are specific to to behaviors that they may or may not be doing. Oh yeah, Uh, along with neuropsychological testing, you also test their memory, um, which is really important. Um, And a lot of comprehensive psychological testing normally doesn't include memory testing, and that's a really important topic we can talk about another time. Um, And then developmental history to look for neurodiversity. Neurodiversity can be anything from 
severe learning disorders to autism to several other things that kind of affect the kind of the typical development of a brain and how they are able to see the world. Interesting. Long answer. It, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it it's a long report. <laughs> Testing uh, usually. I think my longest was 75 pages. That yeah. was... That's that's impressive. No, it's not. <laughs> Go with it. Painful. No. So okay, so they get this report. What all will they be able to like? What are they actually getting with these reports? That's going to help them going forward. Um, for most reports, and, and again, just like in any profession, quality is definitely a variable thing. Um, no matter what profession you're talking about, whether you're talking about mechanics, teachers, therapists, medical right. doctors, dentists, there's just a slew of quality, and some people are really good and some people aren't. And that's always important to try and get people that are good based on the recommendations you have. But at the very bar minimum, these things can help you understand what your child's abilities or your young adult's abilities are. It can help them understand how well they're gonna do in school, sometimes get them services for school. Um, if there's significant therapeutic and behavioral issues involved and you're thinking about treatment and, and what kind of things that they're gonna need, it helps them to get placement. So for example, um, a student on the autism spectrum that's having some real struggles with adapting to the real world and it's becoming so intense that they need a therapeutic placement. Well, New Focus Academy happens to be a great placement for some kids, but not for all kids. Sometimes right. it's some of the other great facilities that are throughout the country. And, you know, it's, it's knowing what, what each, you know, program provides, the services that they're gonna help them with. And then from the testing, you're able to predict kind of what things they're gonna need so that they can actually be successful as they move through treatment. So one of the other things that you mentioned too is like services for school. Like how would that play out? Like with an IEP, mm -hmm. is that something they would use? So there's IEPs and then there's different kind of sub IEPs and IEP is individual uh, Education. educational <laughs> <laughs> plan. Um, uh, so yeah. that testing would actually help them build the academic plan for them mm -hmm. based on and like kind of outline the services that they need to actually learn the best while they're in that setting. Yeah. And then each state will have kind of a thing that's like a sub thing below an IEP. Like for example, in California, they call it a 504. It means that there's specific services they want to get and specific support they want to get within a classroom setting or, or throughout a day but it doesn't reach the level of a full-on IEP, and an IEP means that they kind of have to meet certain legal standards. So um, most states will have, have, all states have the IEP, and most states have something that's kind of like a sub-threshold mm -hmm. just below the IEP. It still services that they know they need to do to help that student adapt and survive. And so um, this testing then helps them to know that. So for example, some students with ADHD, um, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, some students, do really well by putting it at the very front of the classroom. Sometimes they do really well by putting it at the back of the classroom where they can stand up and walk around if they need to, but not distract the rest of the class. And so things like that can be put into the IEP and, um, or whatever educational services they need. Maybe they need to do testing um, separate from all the other kids in like a quiet, non-distracting environment. Maybe they need extended time when they're doing testing. Maybe they need um, additional prompts when they're you know learning and stuff like that. 
maybe they need to have things written out and, and given to them. Based off of what you were just saying, so it sounds like really like this type of testing really kind of helps whoever's reading it get a really clear understanding of kind of the functionality of the person that they're reading about yep. and kind of how they, they process the world and, and react to the world and kind of function through it. But then it also is going to give educators and, and other resource personnel a really clear indicator of how they can better support them. So it's coming yeah. from two different perspectives. That sounds very helpful. It is. Um, last question. How long do you feel like an IEP is um, accurate? So if you did testing today on you know, a student that's 12 years old, when would you, you know, say that they should redo it or renew it? In, in my ideal magical world where unicorns live, um, there'd be kind of some mini testing that'd be done like every six months. And then there'd be a full, a full battery uh, at the two-year mark. Typically, there's not going to be minute, minute, you know, this mini testing done throughout this, you know, every six months. So what the typical standard is, is um, 18 to 24 months after they've been tested, they should be retested. And that's normally 24 months, but sometimes you'll do it 18 months if there's significant things that are going to affect their development. Um, with most of the tests, you don't want to test them again within less than a year because it can they can kind of learn how to do the test and it mm. kind of affect the, the accuracy and the outcomes of it. Okay. So. Well, good. Um, I think that is probably a pretty good overview for now. I would be very interested to hear, get some feedback from listeners on, you know, what questions that they have as far as testing goes and stuff going forward so that we can get a little bit of feedback and answer specific questions. I also know that you have somebody in mind to that that's doing testing currently that would be able to maybe be another person to interview. So so yeah, thanks, appreciate it. Thank you guys for all coming and or listening, and <laughs> you can come too if you want. Feel free, um, and I'll try and talk more about the unicorns in my magical world next time. <laughs> you thanks should a see lot. his office. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Neurodiversity University with Dr. Brandon Park. And please share us, follow us, like us, and review us on all your social media platforms. And just so you know, this was brought to you by New Focus Academy. Thank you again.